I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Don't forget, uh, in about 41 minutes from right now, pregame coverage of BYU men's basketball taking on San Diego State will commence here on KSL News Radio. Yeah, I, I know what that means for me. They're kicking me out of the studio an hour early today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. BYU men's basketball taking precedent. Uh, tip off at 3 o'clock. Looking forward to that like crazy. I, I've said this before. You probably feel the exact same way. But the absence of sports this past year, for the most part, and the dramatic uh, changes to the, the protocols and the way we watch sports, it, it's been a heartbreaking thing. I'm one of these that uh, looks for uh, escapist opportunities. It's part of the reason I like to trail run. It lets me get out into the, into the mountains and forget about everything uh, going on back in the real world. And for me, at least, sports... Uh, and watching sports, I'm not. I'm not the greatest fans, you know. Uh, when folks get talking about stats and history and records and all that, I can't really hang in those chats. But I do uh, get a great thrill out of watching head-to-head competition. And for the interruptions of this past year, uh, I've really felt the blow. And so, really, anything uh, that uh, lets me watch some good head-to-head competition, uh, you can you can bet that I'm watching. Even some of the odd sports they had playing on ESPN earlier this year. Yeah, I watched tug of war. I watched tug of war and found myself like eagerly cheering for some team that I, for whatever reason, developed some instant uh, affection for and loyalty to. I don't know. Uh, you're, I'm sure, feeling the same way. Uh, we got some sports coming up for you in just about 40 minutes here on KSL News Radio. Go Cougars! Uh, myself being uh, a fellow Cougar. Anyway, I want to talk to you now about a story that caught my attention earlier in the week, and. If I were to go back in time when I was just starting this radio program just over a year ago, if you had asked me, uh, Lee, do you think that you'll be doing uh, much mink coverage on your new radio program? I would have said, well, I uh, don't know what a mink is, so uh, likely no. (laughs) It has been remarkable. Over this past year, I do in in large part to the the impact that COVID-19 has had on the mink industry, which is massive here in Utah. Uh, something that I learned. There are many uh, farms throughout this great state that uh, produce and harvest mink. There are farms that have been operating for generations and generations, being handed down uh, from you know one generation to the next. There is great pride, and there is big business in mink farming here in the state of Utah, something I didn't know. I've learned that in this past year. Uh, and, and I learned that because I caught wind earlier in the year that that there was there were some fears surrounding COVID-19 and the infection of some of these animals. Well, as time went on, there, you know, more and more stories surrounding mink and COVID-19 uh, started popping up. In fact, uh, in October of this year, one of the most recent updates in the in the realm of the mink world, we learned that there were some animal rights activists who let loose thousands of mink, 2,000 to be specific. Now, luckily, it turns out that uh, mink raised on farms 
they kind of like that. That's kind of what they're accustomed to. And so when these activists in October let these nearly 2,000 mink go free, uh, most of them came right back. Most of them came right back, and the rest were able to be, for the most part, uh, corralled up and recaptured. Anyway, that's all background. The reason that mink have come back uh, to my attention is that there was, it turns out, and I've done some digging on this, and my thanks to producer Amy for her work with the USDA uh, in learning a lot of what went behind this, but uh, it turns out there was a wild mink captured here in Utah, tested for COVID-19, and tested positive for the virus. This ends up being uh, one of, if not the first wild animal to be identified to having contracted uh, COVID-19. When I first heard the story, I thought to myself, okay, well, are we sure that it was in fact a wild animal? Are we sure that it wasn't maybe one of those few thousand mink released by the animal rights activists? This is, you know, in as producer Amy and I were kind of going back and forth. Uh, at first, honestly, I'll admit, kind of joking around back and forth about this story. You know, it's, when you hear about a wild animal being tested for COVID, you think about the imagery, right? You got whatever kind of apparatus you use to to corral and wrangle that creature. And then what is it, uh, a nasal swab? Because I'm sure, I'm sure, I bet the spit test is hard to collect a sample, right? I bet it'd be difficult to put that little vial in front of the mink's mouth and say, all right, in whatever mink language is, <laughs> could you spit and fill that vial? Oh, up to that line, please. Keep going. I don't know. Well, I didn't expect I didn't expect to reach out to the USDA, the US Department of Agriculture, ask them some of these questions and get back such thoughtful and thorough responses. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, producer Amy and I, we came up with a list of questions, we sent them to the USDA, all of them revolving around the the capture and testing of this wild mink. <clears throat> My big question was again: uh, We know about the release of these uh, of these domestic mink, the mink from the farms by the animal rights group, uh, and so I wanted to know: Are you sure, USDA, that the wild mink that was captured is not one of those released by the activists earlier this year? The response came back from the USDA: "Quote based on testing that compared the genetics between the captured mink and nearby farmed mink, and the captured minks, get this, morphology." Location of capture and behavior, experts determined the animal was a free-ranging wild mink. Okay, very good. Lee's curiosity number one, satisfied. Then taking a step back, how does this all work? How is it that uh, this government department ends up testing wild animals, specifically wild mink? Question asked of the USDA, very basically, how does this work? The response, the USDA Animal and Plant Health Inspection Services conducted wildlife surveillance in mesocarnivorous and other species around infected mink farms in Utah, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Oregon. So getting back to that background, there were cases of uh, infected captive mink around the country. And so the USDA put this plan into action where they were testing mesocarnivorous. Don't worry, I googled it for you. It means an animal whose diet consists of around 70% meat. The other 30% uh, being made up of, uh, I don't know, like plants or fungi or whatever. Anyway, surveillance was conducted. This is getting back to the USDA's response to our question, how does this all work? 
surveillance was conducted as part of One Health investigations involving the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's uh, study. More than 150 wild and non-native free-ranging animals near infected meat far- mink farms were camp- captured, sampled, and tested for COVID-19. Of those animals, only a single wild free-ranging mink has been confirmed positive. All right, so that's just one. Now, uh, time is running out. I want you to hear, though, how, uh, how this works exactly. Listen to this. The USDA, this is, again, coming directly to us, to live mic from the USDA. They prepared these answers just for us because we asked. No one else would. We were asking the tough questions. How do you test a mink for COVID-19? <laughs> the USDA says, the National Veterinary Services Laboratories confirmed COVID-19 by real-time PCR and sequencing of a nasal swab collected from the wild mink. The sequence of the viral genome obtained from the wild mink sampled was indistinguishable from those obtained from the farmed mink. All right, so meaning they've got the same kind of COVID. But the big news in that paragraph there is that it is someone's job. Someone collected a paycheck, and, and you know what? Bless them for it. Because I, I am confident that the information gathered is, you know, important and will, you know, lend itself to the formulation of, uh, you know, protection policies in and outside of these very important farms, these mink farms that, uh, you know, are so so important to, to many families here in Utah and around the country. But it is someone's job. Someone has drawn the straw of whatever length, <laughs> and they then have to go out, capture a wild mink, and administer a nasal swab collection of sample. Yeah. I've had, uh, I, I've had the, the nasal swab test administered. Came back negative because I've got, you know, the strong blood and all. Uh, no, I just got lucky. Uh, the nasal swab, that's a tough thing. Now, I didn't squirm. I, I sat very still. I'm not sure uh, a wild mink would have the same constitution as yours truly. Anyway, uh, my thanks to the USDA for these fascinating responses. Uh, I know they have many important things to do and, and sit and write in responses to the questions we asked. Uh, who knows how high that falls on their priority list, but I'm grateful for the information. I wish the best of luck uh, and the best of fortunes to the, the farmers here in Utah and in other parts of this country where their animals have been infected. Uh, we can get through this as humans as well as mink. We'll see. Uh, quick break. When we return, we're going to be speaking with Dave Kelly, chair of the Pioneer Park Coalition. We're going to look at the practice of street camping and some actions taken recently by the Department of Health and what can be done genuinely by you and me to help the homeless at this time of year. Dave Kelly, my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.